Hello, and welcome back to That's Life. I'm your host, Matthew Whisker, and today I will be talking about the transformed life. I will discuss how we can truly be transformed. I will, of course, be backdropping this against scripture and against my own life. After all, this isn't a self-help podcast. It is a podcast about society and faith. But what does it mean to be transformed? This is a question so many people have tried to answer for many, many centuries. Buddhists try to achieve enlightenment by following the Eightfold Path. In our world today, we see transformative diets, workout regimes, and people struggling so much with insecurities. And Christians are trying to become more like Jesus through the process of sanctification, a daily process where they try to continually achieve this goal. The Apostle Paul talks about being transformed by the renewing of your mind. In Romans chapter 12, he writes, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Other translations say do not be conformed to the pattern of this world. To really understand what what Paul means, we need really to examine the context surrounding the verse as well as the original translation of this verse. One commentary mentions this process as sanctification. The more we die to sin, which simply means consciously not taking actions that draw you away from close relationship with God, then the more our minds will become renewed. We cannot renew our minds by following what the world says. Instead, we must spend time with Jesus and actively try to live every part of our life for and with him. This is pretty much backed up by the Greek for transformed, mephamorthous. I pronounce that dreadfully, but it is spelt M-A-T-A-M-O-R. P-H-O-U-S-T-H-E. And I'll pronounce it metamorphose for the remainder of this podcast. The first part of this word, meta, means to change after being with. The second part, morphous, means changing form in keeping with inner reality. Therefore, when we spend time with Jesus, our inner form transforms to look more like him, while our outer form stays the same. Spending time with God literally transforms us from the inside out. In my own life, I've been through many struggles in which I've had to journey with God, as well as steeping myself in a community of people who also follow Jesus. I think it's so important that that as Christ followers, we get alongside people who are also Christ followers. We build them up and we let them build us up. Without being in that community, we can't possibly achieve the level of of discipleship that we need and the level of really of, of transformation that we should be seeking as Christians I believe. Um, I've glossed over most of it in the first episode in terms of my story but I'll go into some more detail on a couple of kind of the the individual stories that I have here. So when I was 10 years old I was diagnosed with autistic spectrum disorder. This was a culmination of about nine years of obvious developmental delay. I couldn't walk and talk till I was nearly three. In school, I was horrifically bullied for three years before moving schools, partly because I was psychologically younger than my peers. I displayed many, many autistic traits. There's, they are different for different people, but for me, it was very much kind of the typical autistic person that you would see on TV that was probably the best way to compare myself to something else so you kind of get the idea 
Um, I could not mask at all. Masking, for those of you who don't know, is when autistic people kind of adopt and adapt themselves um, and adopt the kind of social cues and the kind of the, the stuff that people who don't have autism, who, who are typically neurotypical, um, use in everyday life. For example, eye contact. I have learned to develop eye contact. That's masking. When I was younger, I could not do eye contact at all. Um, but over the five years following my diagnosis, so from about 10 to 15, 10 to 14, that kind of time period, um, I worsened progressively. And I ended up as what I describe best as an eight-year-old trapped in the body of a 14-year-old. Maybe even a younger mindset. Maybe even a five-year-old trapped in the body of a 14-year-old. I was completely reliant on my parents for most things. Like, they would bathe me, they would cook for me. They wouldn't dress me, I could dress myself. Uh, they would remind me of stuff that normal people should have known at that kind of, that age. People, I say normal, I mean people who don't have autism. Um, I think people with autism are just as normal as those who don't have autism personally um i went to school 20 miles away 40 mile round trip every single day my parents took me to school dropped me off at the school gates i was handed to a teacher i went to the reception area like the kind of the, the signing area um signed in left that area got taken to class obviously register, and then uh, between every kind of lesson, I was I was taken by my the sub-teaching assistant who was specifically assigned to me by my school. She would go with me between every single lesson and the teachers knew to let me out five minutes before so I would avoid all the crowds because I was I had had an experience once where someone had tripped me up and shoved me into a locker and it had traumatised me. Um, yeah, there's a lot of stuff that kind of needed healing and there was a lot of stuff that needed God to break through in. Um, and at the end of every day, I would be taken to the school gates. I would sign out, take to the school gates, given to my parents every single day. I tried going on public transport, as in school bus, Um which which kids from all the different schools went on um, every single day. I had to stop that at some point because after a while it was too much for me. Um, yeah, it was it was really bad. Um, it really affected me. Um, I interpreted everything literally. There was no grey area. I was scared of everything, even fictional stuff like The Simpsons gave me a fear of vampires. Um, for example, like I know vampires are not real. At the time, I thought they were, like the whole Mr. Burns being a vampire and turning Bart into one absolutely terrified me when I was a kid. It doesn't now, praise the Lord, I can watch stuff with vampires in. Like, there was one time when there was an advert for, um, I think it was True Blood, on TV, and it, it traumatised me because it was vampires. I was literally, I was scared of being separated from my parents, I was scared of kind of doing stuff independently, literally scared of everything, um, to the point where I had to have therapy twice for two different individual 
kind of phobias that were very, very unhealthy. Uh, if you've watched episode three, you know that I've talked about fearlessness, fearlessness and how to be fearless and how fear kind of gets into our lives. Um, but that was me. What I talk about and how to break fearless, fearfulness, I was, I was fearful. I wasn't even expected to last a week at secondary school. In the UK, you start secondary school at the age of 11 and then you go straight through to 16 and then you have either college or sixth form, which are both 16 to 18. Um, I was told at the age of 11, I would end up quitting school after a week because I, it was a black hole waiting to happen, according to my child psychologist. Long story short, when I was away with my church youth group on a retreat slash weekend away, uh, about two hours down south in a county called Norfolk at a place called Letton Hall, the Holy Spirit radically impacted my life. Um, the word radical, I find nowadays, has a lot of connotations of radical terrorism. Actually, when I talk about radically impacted by the Holy Spirit, it's not a case of being brain, of I'm being brainwashed. It's a case of being so powerfully impacted that I am forever changed from the inside out, as I talked about. You don't have to be walking with Jesus to have that experience. I wasn't walking with Jesus at the time. I was going to church. I was going to youth group. I wasn't walking with Jesus. I was very much not a Christian. Um, I identified as one, but I hadn't given my life to Christ. Um, that weekend just completely changed me. It was the weekend before my 15th birthday. I remember breaking down in tears at absolutely nothing. I think it was after a, a, a talk that, that one of my youth leaders had done. Um, obviously, you know, worship was there as well. I just completely broke down. Literally nothing could have made that happen as a factor. Um and for the rest of the night, I was completely off the wall. For the rest of the weekend, in fact, I was completely off the walls. I was probably the most hyperactive I've ever been in my life, which I, at the time, thought was me being hyperactive. But actually, it was the Holy Spirit entering my life and changing me, giving me joy. Holy Spirit gave me joy that weekend. Since my encounter with God, I have earned a bachelor's degree from a university which is 180 miles south of where I am from. That couldn't have happened without God. As I have journeyed with God, that transformation has taken place. Those, in, those opportunities have taken place. I lived in Winchester for four years, completely independently and away from both of my parents. I have completed two internships at local churches, one as a youth worker for the youth group that actually um, I went to as a young person, as a teenager, um, and one as a more general discipleship year and leadership training, where I have kind of learned how to deliver talks and learned how to do ministry overseas. Like I went on a ministry trip to Romania as part of that. Um, I won't go into detail here um, because I frankly don't think it, it, it's appropriate for me to say that apart from I went to Romania, which obviously is perfectly appropriate for me to say. Um, I helped out in all the areas kind of in that in the church in that time um, with a focus on specifically three or four areas over the course of the year. 
Um, now I'm heavily involved at the University of Lincoln. Uh, I'm from Lincoln, if you are listening to this and don't know where I'm from. I am now studying for my master's in creative writing, which is very exciting. And I have friends from around the world and I can now interpret the grey areas in life and even thrive off them. Whereas before it's very black and white, you know, this is either this or that. Um, I now very much stuff can happen in between and I can interpret and kind of anticipate unforeseen circumstances and unforeseen events. Unfortunately, I have had to go through the death of a parent. Um, in 2019, my mother very sadly passed away from bowel cancer. Um, and that is the most difficult time of my life. I must say the most difficult time. But I was journeying with Jesus through that. And I journeyed with God and with people. And because of that, I had utter peace throughout the whole process, throughout that whole time. Anyone who, who knows me and knew me through my mother's diagnosis and kind of to the point of those five weeks where she went from relatively healthy to basically on death's door, um, know that there is a, a supernatural amount of peace that went into that situation and continues to go into that situation. If that had happened when I was 15, I would have completely lost it. I would have had a mental breakdown. I was worried at 23 I'd have a mental breakdown because, you know, I was very reliant on both my parents despite living away from home. I was still quite reliant on them. Um, but I've, I've God is growing me from that and he's teaching me how to be more independent. He's teaching me how to go through bereavement so I can help others go through bereavement, whether it's of a family member or whether it is of an opportunity. But it is something which I have grown from and I continue to grow from. So all of this happened because when I was 14, I decided to partner with God and follow him no matter what happens. Yes, I sin, but also I repent. Now I could do things that I, I don't realise that I'm doing. But as long as I repent from it, then all is forgiven. I could do things that I realise I'm doing. But if I repent truly and turn from my ways and kind of go off in a different direction, then, yeah, by all means, God will forgive me. Now, repenting is basically just saying sorry for what you've done. But even on earth, like in our human forms, like people don't say sorry and then do the same thing. They say sorry because they won't do it again. So when we say sorry to God, we say it because we don't want to do it again. You know, discipleship isn't a process of being perfect. Absolutely not. But it should be a process of transformation. I fully believe that. Um, I believe the only person in history who will ever reach perfection is Jesus because he is God. He is the son of God. And I believe that despite everything that goes on in the world, serve a perfect God. Despite everything that takes place that is is really sad and really depressing and really down. And, you know, like people dying, people getting ill, people going missing. Like all of it, I serve a perfect God no matter what because his plans are far above anything that we could ever think of. We didn't know that coronavirus was going to impact the earth as much as it has done in 2020. God did. I fully believe that the only person who has 2020 vision, as you know, everyone has been saying this year, is God. There are many ways in which I believe we can be transformed. But today I just want to highlight two of them. I was considering highlighting three, but I thought 
no two the podcast is going to be pretty long as it is um i want to kind of do two because they're very practical and i think they are both very applicable to people who are just starting up on their walk with christ and those who have been walking with him for 40 or 50 years i think they're both very applicable the whole time The first one is one I've already mentioned. That is spending time with Jesus. I believe that has many different outlets. For me, I recommend what I call the two W's, worship and word. Song worship is a great outlet for singing praises and lamentations to God because I believe totally you can go to him when you're happy and you can go to him when you're sad and upset. And it's a really great way of communicating with him. But there's other ways of worshipping him. There's other ways of glorifying his name and there's other ways of, of, of communicating with him. I believe that creative expression is a great form of worship. And as a creative, it's one I absolutely champion. I love seeing people's journaling Bibles full of creative notes in the margins. I have an ESV journaling Bible. I love it. I don't, I'm not very creative, but I take notes and I'm, I use different colours and that's my creative expression. Um, and I've drawn a few pictures, but... That is my creative expression. Um, I love seeing drawings and calligraphy posted onto Facebook, Instagram, uh, Discord, all of these social media apps. Like, they're so nice and so colourful and so really, yeah, they're great to see. Um, and they always provide great reminders of God's faithfulness and love above everything else. But really, you know, anything that seeks to glorify God is worship. You know, life should be an act of worship. We should live our lives in the pursuit of sanctification, in the pursuit of becoming more like Jesus and reaching that transformative experience. I believe only then can life be worshipful. If we live life not being grateful to God, not being like, okay, God, come into this situation. God, you know, I'm about to apply for uni. Come into that situation. God, I'm waking up. Come into that situation. Be with me as I sleep. Then life isn't worship if you don't have God at the forefront of it. I don't believe that, you know, we're expected to every single minute of every single day think about God because we're human. We practically cannot. Obviously, that's the ultimate goal, to think about God every single moment of every single waking day. But I, I don't always think about God. Absolutely, I'm fairly sure the holiest person on earth right now probably doesn't think about God every minute of every day. But as long as you are seeking to come back to him even if it's once or twice a day like I pray at the end of every day before I go to sleep that centres my whole day on God that centres my evening and my sleep on God it's like okay you know be with me as I sleep the word on the other hand is the Bible. You know, if you aren't a Christian and listening to this podcast, the Bible is often referred to as the Word of God. As Christians, we believe it's a work inspired by the Holy Spirit. I believe if you are, if you identify as a Christian and are intentionally refusing to read the Word of God and not worshiping God, then you are not on that process of spending time with Jesus. And therefore, I believe you will not be transformed. If you don't ask, you don't get. I know it's an old phrase, but it's applicable. 
if you don't ask, you don't get. I think sometimes when we ask God for stuff, he gives us something we don't expect. That is different. But if you don't invite God into your life and say, I need help, you know, be with me, then you won't receive God, simple as. Another way in which we can become transformed is through conversations with others. Many of the times that, that God has done work inside my heart have been precluded by conversations with others, whether they're positive or negative. Oftentimes it's been people telling me where my blind spots are. Or where I'm good at building others up. Like what, the beginning of my discipleship year, we did a thing called Strength Finders, which is a uh, personality kind of test, which many businesses have used to determine your strengths, your giftings, and how you work using those strengths. Um, and one of my strengths is empathy. It's like my number two, I believe. Um, I can't remember my order off the top of my head, but empathy is in my top five. And because of that, I have learned to become more consciously empathetic. And God has really gifted me with people who I have the opportunity to speak life into and show my empathy around while also challenging them if I feel like they've done something wrong or if I feel like there's stuff they could have changed about what they've done, um, even if it's not necessarily wrong. You know, wrong being an in inverted commas because what's right for one person is wrong for someone else and vice versa. But both things have both of these things, um, learning of blind spots and learning where I'm good at building others up, have helped me develop in my walk with Christ. But they have ultimately served as aids for transformation. They are aids for transformation. Knowing my blind spots has helped me grow and weed them out. Like I'm very much I can as an autistic person, I can get lost into my own fantasies about life and about people and about kind of where I'm going career-wise and stuff like that, and being surrounded by people who are telling me, no, you need to get grip on yourself, you need to get back to reality, has helped me ground myself and really helped me kind of work on that blind spot and perfect, uh, not perfect, but grow in that area. Um, you know, the Bible says as iron sharpens iron, so if I'm sharpen a friend. Um, my friends have show me where my blind spots are and I've sharpened as a result of that um, as I've grown I've transformed from the inside out you know I recently saw a post on Facebook that said growth cannot happen without change and I think that's so true I honestly believe if you aren't changing you aren't growing because you're stuck where you are how can you grow if you're stuck where you are if you're not transforming you're not growing Ultimately, everyone is on a walk, whether or not they're walking with God or walking without him. Everybody is walking at different paces and different speeds and at different places on this kind of like path of life. You know, just because you've been spending so much of your time soaking God's presence and intentionally aiming to transform your innermost being to be more like Jesus doesn't mean that the person sitting three seats away from you on a Sunday morning who swears every other day of the week is at that stage or isn't at that stage. It might be that they're further on than you and they just need to work on their swearing. It may be that they're not as far in their walk as you. You know, people who aren't yet following Christ will also be walking at different paces to each other. 
because you've got people who are closer to following Christ, you've got people who are not closer to following Christ, but who are further away from him. Honestly, I believe that because of this, we have to extend grace to others that will enable them to feel comfortable where they are. And it won't promote a false sense of transformation that, is, that isn't really taking place. You know, Proverbs 18, verse 21 says that death and life are in the power of the tongue and those who love it will eat its fruits. If you begin openly judging people for where they are in their journey of faith and their journey of growth and their journey of transformation, then you may be speaking death into that person and not life. person three seats away from you on a Sunday morning who swears the rest of the week might be a new Christian, but if you speak death into them, that might turn them away from the church and might make them feel like they're not wanted in church, especially if it's their first time or their 50th time, but they've not yet given their life. You may be very well-intentioned, absolutely, but everybody's walk is different. And those who are at a significantly different part of the journey may end up having the progress that they have made thus far stunted just because of a well-intentioned criticism. I honestly think there is definitely a place for holding people to account for the stuff they've done, absolutely. But if only if we have an already established relationship with them, and if the aim is to help them grow in their relationship with Christ and with others. I have a friend... Um, I won't say his name, but I have a friend who, who I regularly text with back and forth. And, you know, most of the time I'm like, cool, yeah, you're growing, you're great, keep going. And when he's worried he's done stuff wrong, I'm like, most of the time I'm like, yeah, yeah, you, you are doing well, don't worry about it. But there have been times when I've had to hold him to account for what he's doing. There are times when I've had to tell him, you know, hang on a minute, um, take a step back. This isn't quite right. It's a mistake. Mistakes happen for a reason. But as long as you're growing, that's the main thing. Everyone makes mistakes. We're not perfect. Society is not meant to be perfect. I know with cancel culture and everything like that, it seems perfect. And it seems like we have to be perfect. But, you know, because we're Christians, we're not of the world. We don't have to conform to that level of perfection that everybody else is kind of expecting of us. However, if you're seeking to tear people down, even if you've got an established relationship with them, or if you've got someone you've never met, or have only spoken to a few times, I believe it breeds contempt within the heart of that person. If I said to my friend who I text back and forth with, oh, you're rubbish, you're doing awfully, you, you're never any good, you're always making mistakes, that would mean he doesn't trust me to say when he's worried about stuff. It doesn't, he doesn't, that would mean he doesn't trust me to say when he may have, you know, made a mistake. It breeds contempt within the heart of that person. In turn, I believe that creates division among God's people. When I believe that, especially in this time, this period that we're in, this era of humanity that we're in, I believe that the church should be unified. Thanks to all of you who have listened to this podcast. As always, if you want to keep up to date with all the information, follow my Instagram account at MatthewWhisker1 and my Twitter account at MatthewWhisker. If you have any questions at all, do not be afraid to reach out via my comments or DMs. Sometimes I post polls as well, so feel free to use them. If I use any questions in any of the podcast episodes, they will all be anonymous, so do not feel like you're worried about your name being read out. Well, it won't be. If you want to hear more content, check out my album Change 
which is now out on all platforms. Also, please do check out my other podcast, Let's Talk About, which is available on Apple Podcasts and Spotify if you want a double dose of discussion. Just search for Matthew Whisker on the search tab. I hope you enjoy.